Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Men's Wellness Collective Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Caleb Adego K. I'm joined by my very good friends, partners in crime, uh, homeboys from down the block, brothers from different mamas, uh, Jordan Lewis and Dalen Bernie. Fellas, how are you doing today? I've had a great morning so far. We've now got on the schedule of doing these early in the morning and I'd have a little workout before and some breakfast and I'm ready to go for the day. Love it, man. Uh, man, I'm doing great as well. You'll hear today that my voice may crackle in and out a little bit because boy, did I have a good weekend. Uh, I checked off a bucket list item. I was talking to Dalen before we started the podcast today. So I'll tell you, Mook, that we went out to uh, Ohio my whole family, Aubrey's dad, her brother, mm-hmm. uh, her brother's her brother's girl, nieces or her nephews, my nieces, everybody went out to uh, up to Cedar Point, which has been like a bucket list item of mine since I was a teenager to go out there to the roller coaster capital of the country uh, and just see what the hype is about and as you can tell by my voice we had a very good time uh we hit all the (laughs) the roller coasters that we wanted to so it was fun so i'm trucking through for the podcast today but uh just for listeners to know that's that's why you know you'll have to bear with me a little bit today as far as my voice. you spent the weekend like high-pitched screaming this over and over again yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah, I saw, I saw pictures. Exactly. It looked like a vibe. It looked like a vibe, man. It looks like I had a great time out there. I'm happy for y'all. Yeah, we had a blast, man. It was, it was cool. Yeah, man. Be home. Now it's crunch time, but yeah, yeah we, we went out with a bang. Get get back to it. Actually, yeah, this is a, it was a, it was a weekend of a lot of events going on, right? Like, uh, first, first and foremost, this is post Juneteenth. So happy Juneteenth to everybody, not just those who celebrate everybody, everybody can celebrate Juneteenth. Um, I had the honor, um, and pleasure to be invited to a Juneteenth celebration by a new friend of mine, a new big bro in my life. Again, it's really fun and really interesting to be like making new friends past 30, because I swear every rap song that I've listened to since 2005 <laughs> was like, no new friends, I can do it all by myself. That's whack. You need to get some new friends in your life. You need to get some You need to get some young boys in your life to mentor. You need to get some OGs in your life to keep you on a straight and narrow. Um, shout out to Cornell Ellis, uh, the uh, executive director of Block Brothers Leading Our Community. It is a nonprofit organization in Kansas City, Missouri area, just say Kansas City area, that helps not only train, support, but place black educators in schools in the city. Uh, This is not a paid ad. He didn't know he was gonna, I was gonna do this. I didn't know I was gonna do this. So I'm gonna shoot him a text and tell him to listen to the next podcast episode. And like, (laughs) so shout out to you, Corner Ellis. The, The Juneteenth celebration was on a rooftop in downtown Kansas City on Main Street at uh, Boho Sway, which is another Black-owned business. Uh, um, so it was like, there's a song by uh, Jay-Z called Legacy. Legacy, Legacy, Black Excellence, baby. I've never felt more just like proud to be Black mm. in a moment where I'm just like, I'm on a rooftop. There's every shade of black you can see there's plenty of white people here there's uh there's there's some asian people that pulled up when i was leaving and it was like in pure 
honor of what the ancestors who were brought over here because of the transatlantic slave, uh, slave trade had to endure in order for us to be here today. And Cornell Ellis said it beautifully, your ancestors saw that same sunset and they prayed for you even though they didn't know you. Now you're seeing the same sunset and living out their prayers. Now say a prayer for the ancestors, for who are gonna be your descendants that will never know you and will do things that you'll never know but we'll still see the same sunset. He said it way more eloquently than I did just now. Um, but uh, in that moment, it was like, yeah. Plus the food was the food was top notch. The, the theme was black futurism. So we took things like collard greens, made it healthy, vegan crab cakes. Uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a card carrying member of the Nigerian Jollof Rice Coalition, I do have to say it, it's not it's not the Jollof I'm used to. But if this is what the future of Jollof Rice is, I am on board. Um, so it was just, it was amazing <laughs> to be part of that event. Um, and it was also, it was also Father's Day this weekend. Um, so long holiday, Father's Day. Um, shout out to the dads out there. Shout out to the expecting dads. Shout out to the dads that stepped up. Shout out to the dads who knew it was better to step out of the way and let, let, let some things work on themselves to get so they could be in their children's lives. Uh, mm. That's one thing that I think a lot of people struggle with um, is that dads grieve too, right? On Mother's Day, mm -hmm. we see so many, so many like joyous yet comforting sentiments towards, you know, women who have lost babies. We have sentiments towards like women who have adopted children because they're infertile. All these sentiments, those all those sentiments go for dads too. So shout out to all the dads, the could have been dads, the should have been dads, the dads that have stepped up, the dads that want to be dads, and the dads who can't be dads for whatever reason. Shout out to all the ones who've lost dads or father figures in their lives, whether they be uncles, uh, the OG from around the block, grandparents. Um, as a man, we don't give ourselves enough credit. We don't get enough praise. So one thing that I'm proud that we do here at the Men's Wellness Collective podcast is that we are not only going to highlight the bad, the good, and the ugly, but we're going to give people their flowers while they're here to get it. And so in honor of that, Professor Dr. Jimmy Adeoke, what's up, Pops? I love you. I appreciate you. And I'll be seeing you soon. I love that, man. Uh, I think that, yes, in honor and reflecting on Father's Day was something that I had the privilege to do this weekend. Uh, from a number of different standpoints. One, being able to spend it with my dad was was really cool. So happy Father's Day to to you, Dad, Carlos Lewis. Uh, I'm sure you're listening. You listen to every episode. I appreciate you. Um, I got to spend it with who I anticipate in the future sometime to be, uh, you know, my future father-in-law, which is Aubrey's dad, uh, Mr. Ray Eubanks. Happy Father's Day to you, sir. It was a lot of dad energy this weekend. My brother is a new dad. Uh, so shout out Jalen. Yeah, I got to spend Father's Day with with him and my nieces as well. Aubrey's brother was there, who's who's a dad, you know. So shout out Miles Eubanks. Happy Father's Day to you, man. Uh, it was a great weekend to to really spend and celebrate the fathers in my life that I have really close relationships with. Um, and also for listeners of this podcast who don't know, because I don't even know if I've shared it on here. Um, I, uh, 
celebrated Father's Day for myself as well. Um, I've adopted a son. He's, I've been in his life for nine years. Easton, probably not listening, but <laughs> uh, he's 11. Uh, he lives in Des Moines, Iowa, currently with his mother, who is my former wife. Um, and so Father's Day for me is complicated in that way because if I'm being honest, in a lot of ways, when people tell me Father's Day, um, I I don't put myself in the same category as mm. my brother, as my dad, as your dad's. Um, that's something that, you know, I probably need to continue to sort out, you know, my own individual therapy as to why that is. Um, but it's a it's a complicated feeling. I know that probably one component of that that contributes to why I feel that way is that for the last year and some change, um, when he and his mother moved, mm. I haven't played as active of a role in his life. And so there's part of me that feels I don't deserve to be mm. in that category. Yeah. Um, just to be fully honest yeah. and transparent with that. Yeah. And um, I think I, that I that's... I love him. No, go ahead, oh, finish, go ahead. finish, finish, finish. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I know I love him. I know when, you know, a couple weeks ago, he, he came to Kentucky and spent a week with me. Um, I know the foundation of the relationship is still there. We talk every day. I love him like he's my own. Um, but there's something that I think, whether it's guilt or whether mm. it's something that I haven't fully quite sorted out that has impacted the way I see myself in that role. That I'm not able to give myself that same credit, which is why I don't share it often. I, I don't as openly say and tell people uh, I'm I have a son and I'm a dad. Because when I do, I also feel like I have to caveat it with like the full story and well, he's not really mine. Like he's not my biological son, and I adopted him. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's something. Just in transparency, I still have to sort out. Mm. Um, but. You know, felt felt necessary to share, you know, in honor of Father's Day today. So shout out to you, Easton. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking with you today, later this later this morning. But uh, yeah. 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 That's how it impacts me. I appreciate you yeah. uh, being willing to open up and be honest and, and talk about that. Because that's a big, that's a big part of fatherhood is um, how we feel about our role in the lives of people um, that we would consider our children, our sons, our mentees, all that. Um, and before we dive into the podcast and reflect on our conversations with our dad's podcast and go into our own relationship with fatherhood, what that looks like, what we wish for it to look like, uh, hopes and dreams and all that good stuff. Uh, Dalen, how is yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Father's Day is honestly it's kind of always been like uneventful like you know growing up it was just you know me and my parents and we just kind of hang out it was a low-key day whatever my dad wanted to do so it was you know hanging out at the house eating maybe going out to eat like it was always pretty chill you know i just usually call him and we chat for anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour and a half of about our lives um you know we just stay in contact that way but i think for me the last, I, I, I've always known that I've wanted to be a dad. 
like even in high school, like I just looked up to my dad, uh, Adam Bernie, you know, we, you guys talked to him. Like it was just, I always wanted to be that in someone's life because I know what like that meant to me. And I loved having that relationship. And it was like, I want to do that. Like that I think is what would fulfill my life. So it's something I've always looked forward to, but as I've gotten older, it's like, well, not yet, but in these last like couple of years, as Emily and I have like talked about having kids and we're like, we're going to do this. It's like, Oh, like this is going to be real. And I've gotten more and more excited about it. So like this year, father's day came around and I was like at the grocery store and uh, the lady checking me out was like, Oh, are you a dad? And I was like, no, not yet. And I was actually kind of sad about it because I'm like, cause of, but I want to be, but I'm not yet. Um, so that's been an interesting change for me of like, I'm like really excited to be a dad and to fulfill that role. Um, and the best that I can, um, I think like all the time now I'm at home and I'm just like, Oh, what it'll be like when we have kids for this. Like, like I'm just constantly imagining it. So like, I'm like really excited for that to come, you know, hopefully that it comes. Um, because you know, that in itself of becoming that process is a struggle. Um, so yeah, it's, I am hopeful, but not there yet. Um, but very much love and appreciate my dad. Um, and then also on the flip side, um, Emily has a complicated relationship with her dad. So it's me usually supporting her kind of through the day. Um, so it, it's kind of good and bad for me. Um, yeah. Or it's just like our family. So, um, yeah, I think dads can have a big impact on us. You know, we all know as therapists, you know, it always goes back to your parents. Whether you want it to or not, everything about you is going to go back to your parents. So, like, you know, our dads are going to be half of that. Yeah, and, you know how how did that relationship form, and what is it like today? What was it like growing up? It's a big deal. It, and I think it is such. You a know, big the dads deal. should give themselves credit for what they did do. Like Jordan, I've seen you interact with your son at the pool party, and like you guys were having a great time. Like you show up yeah. in that way. Like even it's just those small ways when you can. Like that makes a huge difference in his life. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man. I I try to remind myself. Of that often that even though my scope has shifted dramatically um that the when i'm there and when we're able i'm present i'm showing up and i think i'm confident that he feels that and he knows that mm-hmm. um but i try to i try to remind myself and bring it back to those moments you know whenever yeah. i get hit with all kinds of feelings of guilt or doubt or self-criticism for things I'm not able to do. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. And just to respond to something you said, Dalen, you're going to be a, a great dad. <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. man, I got Rin, the dad. I got I'm the confident. dad. I got the dad jokes down. Like I just, I walk around with no shirt on. Like, I'm just gonna be like, this is me. Like, it's just, this is me listening to music. You don't like, and like grilling, like I'm down, I'm there. Yeah, I I, I, I got to say, I'm excited for you to become a dad, Dalen. Uh, and I wish I wish all, all all the best, all the luck, all the prayers to everyone and everything who wants to be a dad. But of all the people who wants to be a dad, I'm most excited to watch you become a dad. Uh, <laughs> one thing I, I really appreciate about Dalen is your what I like to call indomitable positivity. 
And I don't mean that as in like a, because we've talked about like toxic positivity and like it's never, it's never been that with you. It's, it's just, what it's, it's indomitable in the fact that like, even when it's not going great, like I've constantly from the day you stepped into the office and done it, like we talked together the first time as an intern, watch you go like, Hey, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> and then there's like moments where like, you know, you have like down moments, like, dang, I lost a lot of clients and I feel like it's a reflection on me. And I know it's not, but like, it sure feels like it, but you know what? Hey, I'll figure it out. And I'm like, dog, this guy's got something in him. And like that level of positivity, like in my head, I'm, a, I'm with ADHD and being like a, a visualizer i like like i almost can like paint pictures and movies in my head and can see them playing out i i can literally see you sitting back there with your child they're on the baby chair you're on the big chair you're grilling your child's gonna say something you're like hey i'm really proud of you or you know what that was a rough moment we really went through it that kind of sucked i didn't want to have to yell at you but like i really love you and mm -hmm. i hope that you know that and like you're just gonna have the, the classic Dalen smile on that. And I'm like, man, this guy, all my kids gonna call you Uncle Dalen, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'm excited for yeah. that moment to just be, yeah, just like hang out and have the good time and like, you know, kind of do what we do and like be, I don't know, I guess a different kind of man than typically what is growing up. I'll be like, hey, like, how are you? Like, how are you really? Like, how do you feel? Like, you know, just like ask those questions of like really check in and like, you know, we can have fun, but like, we can also be serious and talk and like, it's okay to not be okay, but like, we can still, I don't know. Yeah. Try to be as happy as possible. For sure. Like, at least just shoot for it. Cause I think if you always shoot for it, like you'll probably get somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you might, you might not get to where you want to get to, but you'll get somewhere good. Uh, I do not have any children. Um, and I think I had a very linear view of what my life was supposed to look like based on culture, religion, heritage, tradition. Um, and then um, just what I thought my life would look like. Uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this on this platform, but I was born with sickle cell anemia. Uh, I have talked about this. I was born with sickle cell anemia. And as I said before, uh, in Nigeria, that's just basically like you're born with your birth certificate and your death sentence at the same time. Um, so I never thought I would make it to 40. Uh, so I had this very linear timeline of what I wanted my life to look like. I wanted to get through school, boom, 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 get it done in four years, three years of law school. I want to be married by 25, three kids by 28, called it done by 30. Dog. That is not, <laughs> that is not my life right now. And I'm so glad at 25, if I would have been married at 25, I don't want to speak any negativity, but like, ooh, if I would have been married by like 23 and started having kids by 25, I don't know what my life would look like right now. I just know it'd be very different. And it would have been a gargantuan struggle. Absolutely would have been a struggle. Um, and while I don't have any kids, I got a sister that's 13 years younger than me. And so I call I call her my, my twin, my bestie, uh, also my fake daughter, because when I was like 15, 16, 17, take her to the mall, use her as a, listen, a child, best wingman on the planet. If you got a, if you have a child with you and you are a man and you, 
you don't have a ring on your finger. Sometimes even when you got a ring on the finger, some of these girls are a little big. <laughs> but like, that's the best <laughs> ring. So shout out to Comfort for helping me get a couple numbers at Zoomies back in those days. Um, but I feel like I've helped uh, the community aspect of the way Africans raise children. It takes a village. It takes a tribe. I feel like I've helped raise my sister in more ways than one. And I feel probably way more prepared for fatherhood now had I not had that experience. Um, I still also don't feel like I've earned the right to be a dad yet, which is one of the things that I think we as men struggle with, right? We feel like our worth comes from what we can provide. And there's a lot of literature, nomenclature, zeitgeistism, um, just talk of what a man's worth is. Uh, and I see a lot of particularly minority men, but a lot of men in general feel like their worth is only tied to what they can produce. I mean, there's the famous, there's the famous Chris, Chris Rock joke, right? The only people who are loved unconditionally are women, children, and dogs. A man's <laughs> worth, a man's worth is entirely, entirely connected to what can you do for me now? Or what have you done for me lately? Or at least that's been the, that's been the feeling that a lot of men can have, have put out there and felt like they've had to capitulate to. And so Jordan, earlier you were saying like, you may feel, you feel like you maybe don't haven't earned the right of calling yourself a dad, but in my interactions with you and how I've witnessed you interact with Easton, I know him as your son. So to me, that's your son. I, he, he was introduced to me as your son. He's your son. And the way I've seen you interact with him in more ways than one is how I tried to model myself as a future father. There was a specific, there's a specific uh, moment I'll, 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 I'll never forget. It's me, you and Ron and Easton at Brookside Barrio. This was me getting introduced to the boys. Uh, this was when I felt like, oh no, okay, these are more than just like Jordan's friends. These are my friends now. And like Easton was acting up a little bit, nothing too out of pocket, but like he was, he was definitely, he was definitely being an eight year old, probably seven at the time. And like you said, Hey, listen, I know you can like, I know you know how to do this. So I need you to hold it down right now. I'm not saying that like you're acting out. I'm not saying, but you know, what you're doing is not what we talk about. So why? What's going on? And he just kind of like faded. It was like, oh, I'm sorry. He was like, no, you're like, it's okay. Like you're allowed to be you, but like, just hold it down. Like there's no need to act out right now. And then you like hugged him, kissed him on his head. He ordered his chicken nuggets. And I was like, oh man, this guy's got it. <laughs> this guy's got it. And, and so <laughs> for me, I don't know if this has turned into a therapy session for us, but you know, sometimes podcasts do that. Dog, I don't know. I don't know how much more of a father you could be to that boy, but um, honestly, it's inspiring. And I, I'll say that and leave it there for you to pick up. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah I appreciate that. Oh, I might fucking cry. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I think... I think a lot about my relationship with my dad as of late. And one of the things that sticks out to me that I never knew that I needed from him earlier on that I that I didn't get because maybe he felt 
I don't know why. I'm sure he had to feel like he had to have all the answers. But what's revolutionized my relationship with my dad the last five years is how he shared with me. And it's put me on a playing field with him where I feel like he sees me as an equal. Because it's not my job anymore to just divulge everything to him. But moments and conversations where he really shares with me back and shows me who he is and, you know, shares his experience and parts of his life with me have completely changed the way I see him. And it's like I tell him all the time, like, I feel like I know you now. I didn't feel like I knew you. You were just the person that I, I had to. I mean, I called dad. I knew I loved you, but a level of trust that mm. comes from like when you actually know someone because they're letting they're letting you see them. I have that now. And that's something that I try to uh, show Easton is if nothing else, I don't care where I'm where I'm at in the country or the world or wherever he's at. It's like, dude, I see you. I see you and, and I and I will let you see me, too. So you're going to know, you know, to an appropriate degree, like things I'm struggling with, things that I'm going through. And I I just try to make space for him because, quite honestly, I, I don't think that he has had a lot of spaces in his life where people see him. And I just I just want that kid to know if there's anywhere in the world that you feel paid attention to, seen you know that i take delight in you as a person and your growth it's this is not about me it was never about me not a choice i made as it relates to him was about me because if anything it's complicated my life you know the, the adopt the adoption mm-hmm. everything with the divorce has made things more complicated for me but it's not about me i saw a kid that i didn't think was getting seen a lot and for whatever reason, call it my therapy background, call it maybe my own experience with my dad of sometimes knowing how that felt like, you know, wanting to be seen and not feeling like I could. Uh, I just, I wanted that kid to know that I see you, man. Whatever mm-hmm. you like, I'm going to be into it. Whatever you're feeling, I'm going to make space for it, even if I don't like it. Like like you said at that that evening at the Brookside Barrio, I remember that evening. I don't remember exactly what I did or said, so I'm happy I, at least from your vantage point, handled it well. But I remember it was late. You know, I'd had him out all day, and out with the guys, because he likes to hang out with Christian and Ron and you. You know, he likes to be around my friends. I knew he was tired, man, but it's like I can make space for that. You can be tired, but you also have to figure it out. Because we're in public, and, you know, you gotta you got to deal with that, and I'm here to help you. Um, so that's just who I try to be, man. And and I don't know if that's being a dad or if that's just being a positive male role model. Sometimes I diminish myself and just, oh, I'm just a positive male role model that cares about this kid. Yeah. Maybe that's I mean, being is, a dad. Isn't that enough? I think, I mean, every time I hear you talk about it and just like what you went, like just talked about of like being able to like actually let him in a little bit and see you and understand you and get to know you like – I look up to that so much and I see that I'm like, that's the kind of dad I want to be. So like, 
as I hear you talk about this and like try your best, like all I can think about is like, man, I want to be like that. It's encouraging. Yeah. I appreciate uh appreciate you guys sharing that. Uh yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it, you. It has um, been helpful. Yeah. Been helpful. I I, I, I actually Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna let you have your moment. Go ahead. No, I just I appreciate you guys uh, saying those things and encouraging me. I do get discouraged. It was hard not being with them on Father's Day, uh, especially you know the weekend that we had. We would have loved to have been there. But, you know, schedules make it work, and. Uh, well, I think I needed that more than I maybe I realized that I did. So thank you guys for creating space and making space for me. And, and also to you, for you, Luke, to even bring it up before we recorded and pushing me because I probably I don't do it naturally. Uh, kind of working on that part and realizing that I'm actually pretty guarded more than I like to admit. So I'm learning from you guys in terms of that vulnerability. And uh, so I appreciate you for pushing me there today and making space for me to step into it in a safe way. That, that means a lot. I think I'm realizing I needed it more than I thought. Yeah. And I, here's the thing that I want to say um, to you is that, like, dog, you keep commending me for my vulnerability uh, and I appreciate that. And I, I accept that. And I believe it's true. But dog, you don't give enough credit for how much, how vulnerable you are. I really don't think you do. I think there's a, there's a performance athletic piece of yourself. Prob I'm going to, there's a Jordan in there that someone's like, yo, I just gotta, I gotta, I just gotta put my head down and get to work. Just get like the, when I've seen you play ball as much of a shooter as you are and as deadly of a shooter as you are, sometimes you just put the ball on the ground and get the rock and you just gotta get, you just gotta get to the rack. I see that work ethic in almost everything you do in your, in your work as a, as, as a, as a therapist and as a clinician, there have been times where like, you're just like, you know what? Just got to put your head down and get to the rack. Same thing in your relationships. When it's gotten hard, it's gotten rocky. It was like, you know what? Sometimes we just got to put, we got to, I just got to put my head down, get to the rack. And that's the hard work of being a man that sometimes goes unrecognized. I think it often goes unrecognized is that like, you just got to put your head down and get to the rock. There was another podcast, um, I can't, I don't know the name of the podcast. I wish I did. Otherwise I'd, I'd shout them out, but I, it popped up on my, it popped up on my Instagram. And this lady was like talking to one of the other co-hosts and he goes, my feelings don't matter. She goes, who told you your feelings don't matter? And literally in unison, every single guy in the room went, the world tells us our feelings don't matter. Shut up and get to work. Ain't nobody coming to save you. Um, and while sometimes I think that's how that helps us accomplish a lot, I think if we're, if we're honest and take a step back and are willing to ask for help as men in things that we're supposed to quote unquote know, like, especially like being a dad, 
if we if we are willing to step back, take a moment and ask for help and like, yo, what am I supposed to do as a dad here? What am I supposed to do as a partner? What am I supposed to do as a business owner? What am I supposed to do as a clinician? And just, you know, maybe bring the ball back out to the top of the key, reset the play. You might have a more successful and more profitable experience rather than taking it to the rack every time and getting your head knocked off and now you got to go shoot free throws. They're free for a reason, but they're hard. You just got knocked on the head. Um, and I'm using basketball analogies because I watch basketball all weekend. Uh, shout out to AJ Spencer and the Spence League. Shout out to Neil Watson at the Spence League. Shout out to everybody at the Spence League. Uh, shout out to Christian Brown for showing up. Uh, but there were a lot of dads there. There were a lot of dads there. And I saw specifically this narrative of that was very prevalent in the in the 90s and 2000s of like, oh, you're black, you must not have a dad. I saw the antithesis of that. I think some of that was true. I think there were a lot of black kids that grew up in the 90s and 2000s, early 2000s, where the family unit was incomplete, um, which was a result of things that happened in the 70s and the 80s, with the crack epidemic, but we're not gonna get into that. Um, but I think in the nineties and the two thousands, a lot of stepdads stepped up and a lot of dads got lost through violence or whatever. And the sons who were raised by single mothers, um, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them said, I know what I went through when I didn't have a dad and I'm never going to put my children through that. And so to see, but uh, there were 12 teams that played anywhere from five to 10 members of team, uh, there were probably... 20 dads there with their kids. I mean, every everyone from babies and strollers to um, dude walked in. I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he wants to be put on a podcast like that, but he walked in with his three kids and it was like nine, 12, and uh, I think like an eight-year-old. And it was just like, no, nah, y'all got to go sit down. I got to play my game. After my game, y'all can go shoot around. And so just like the presence of black, black dads is so important to the minority community, the black community. Um, and I think even if you're not perfect, just showing up is so important. I think it is undervalued the, like how important it is to just show up. You ain't gotta be perfect. And now I'm talking to everyone. Like you do not have to be perfect. In fact, you can't, this is, this is something that I want every person listen to this podcast, whatever you identify as, I do not care. But I do care about is you realizing that you cannot be perfect. So just show up, show up, mess up. And then this is where men, I'm going to talk to specifically men, acknowledge when you mess up, it's okay to mess up. And it's okay to apologize and say, I'm not perfect. I messed up. I'm sorry. I didn't know that's what you needed, but I'm here now. Um, and that's a big, that's, I think that's, that's something big that I'm starting to see and recognize that as men, we got to do more. We got to show up for each other. So in our, in our, in our moments, like Jordan just had his moment, like, I got to show up for you and let you have your moment, give you your flowers, because I know you did the same for me. Consequently, I know if I'm wilding out, you're going to be one of the people to show up like, dog, what's going on? 
<clears throat> and so like accountability in manhood and fatherhood, I think looks a lot more like showing up as your, as your core self imperfect. Um, and then just doing the best you can while also trying to grow. That's that daily question. Yeah. On that point, because I was thinking about what you're saying about owning up to your mistakes, right? And um, kind of touching quickly back on what I said, like me and my dad's relationship to me in my mind is the best it's ever been because he's shown me, he shared with me some of the mistakes along the way in his life where now it's like oh you're not the superhero you're, you're a guy you're a person just like me and i can relate to that and i can trust that um and because i see myself in you it makes me want to come closer that's kind mm -hmm. of in my evolution and how i view my dad now it's like man i want to i want to come to you when i'm struggling now whereas growing up it's like i didn't feel like i could because how could you relate to me struggling? I never saw you struggle. You were the epitome of perfection in my eyes. You did everything right. You always had the answer. You knew what to say. And to some degree, he's still that way. He's still very good at everything he does. Um, but he's let me in enough to know that, like, man, I'm a human being. I struggle with things and I'm not perfect. And that makes me want to move toward him. I'm curious to to hear your perspective on this, Dalen, because one of the things that your dad shared about on the podcast when we had him on was how he was like grieving in front of the family, you mm -hmm. know, after the loss that you all suffered. Have you always had that because of that experience of kind of seeing, I guess I shouldn't assume, I guess I have multiple questions. One, did he allow you to, to see him struggling First and foremost, and two, if you did, did that in your mind create a sense of like, oh, my dad is a just a person? And did, did that happen for you early on? Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I definitely saw him grieving and struggling, like, right when it happened. Like, I remember them telling me what was happening, like, at the hospital. Like, I remember the funeral. Um and then, like, kind of shortly afterwards, and it's just, you know, I probably didn't see all of the big breakdowns. I think he wanted to keep that relatively to himself and probably, you know, with my mom of, you know, still being relatively okay. But, like, you know, you can still tell that, like, everyone's a little sad. We're all a little different. We're all kind of adjusting. Um, so I think I, I think a little bit early on and probably, like, the couple of years afterwards, not as much. Like, I can kind of remember um, if we started talking about Erica of just, you know, funny memories or whatever, like, or if we started talking a little bit more, like, my dad would just leave the room um, because it'd be too much for him. Um, he doesn't do that anymore because I think I, you know, kind of pointed that out. I was like, you know, you would just leave if we talked about Erica. And he was like, yeah, because it's really hard. And, like, I didn't want to see that. I'm like, yeah, but we're all sad. Um, so I think yes and no. Um because I think he still wanted to show up and kind of feel like he had a handle on it. And he didn't want me to feel probably the weight of what he was experiencing. Um, you know, he still wanted to show up and kind of be okay um, for me. 
Um, I think looking back, I definitely, I think I wish I would have had that, um, you know, seen him struggling and crying and because, you know, I had those moments too. And I think if I wouldn't have felt as alone, you know, it could have been a little bit better. Um, but, you know, I think at the time we just did the best that we could, you know, he thought that that was the right thing and that's what he knew. Um, so that's what we did, but you know, now we can talk about it kind of as adults, you know, I think my dad didn't let me in as much when I was younger. It was very much like you're the parent and I'm the child and like, you know, we'll talk and we get to know each other a little bit, but I didn't get in much of like what he was struggling with. Um, that's kind of come later in life as we've been able to become more as peers, um, which I've, you know, loved that relationship. And, you know, I just, I learned to take it now versus going like, Oh, you didn't do this when I was 13 and both. It's like, you know, at that point, this doesn't matter. Like you're here now, we can have these conversations and we can talk about it now. Um, so yeah, I think in that way, I kind of love it. And it kind of makes up for that in some ways of just being like, you know, it, it was really hard. I think I might've talked about it on here is like, he just gave me like his journal um, from like around that time, probably like a year or two ago. Um, we were over there and he's like, Hey, like I have like my, like my dream journal and just my journal from probably right before she was born to like a couple of years after she had passed away. Um, and it was just kind of periodic and like, I read it and like, Ooh, man, that made me cry. Um, there was a line in there that was, I don't remember exactly what it said, but basically it was like the only reason that I'm okay is because that I still have a son that needs me now. Hmm. Wow, And it was like, I, I read that. It was just, oh, tears. I was just like, oh, I mean, it makes so much sense. But like, I had no idea that like, I was the only reason my dad was okay with that. Like after, because he's like, I couldn't just shut down with what I was going through. Like I had to still be there for him and what he needed. And it was like, oh, so like, re like getting to know, have that now and like look back and have that understanding. Like, it, like that's incredible. So I think, you know, if you're a dad and listening to this and it doesn't matter how old you are, or how old your kids are, you can go back and have these conversations and let them in now and be like, I, I didn't know how to do this or I didn't think that I could do this. Like it is never too late to start this and to let the people in, to let your children in, to let your dad in, you know, I think that can be kind of what people get from this is. Yeah, that's yeah, uh thank you for answering that. That was beautiful. I think uh I hope after reading that you uh if you ever questioned it that you never questioned or had to after that, like no how important and what you meant to him. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, that's awesome. I have it in writing now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that can also cool. be I, I think that was really good because I think that was the only way that he felt comfortable enough to doing it is because he didn't want to talk about it, but he's like, mm. I, I will shoot, give you my journal, like, which is still very personable. Like, uh, I, you know that, cause I think you write that and you don't intend on anyone reading it. So it's like, I'm going to give you what I wrote down in a dark moment that I didn't think anyone was going to read. So like that is a big step. So like if saying something is too hard for you, there are plenty of other ways you can write an email write a letter, like, you know, find some other way to communicate your needs. You don't have to sit and like dare stare deeply into each other's eyes and have these moments. There are other ways that you can be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely.
that inspired me to start keeping a journal consistently because uh, that was dope. And I would love to I would love to have something to pass on to my kids because um, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's that's super dope. Uh, maybe it's a physical I, I, journal. Maybe it's a video journal. Uh, I think I, for, I function, but I'm, I'm much better as a orator. And I think I'm probably underrating myself and I'm not valuing how probably good of a writer I am just because I've, I've always struggled with grammar and punctuation with ADHD and not, and moving to two, like living in two different countries, like spending the first half of my, since I was 10, lived in Africa and then moved here. And then all of a sudden color doesn't have a U in it. And I'm like, what? All right, bet. Um, <laughs> so I've never been confident in my writing, but that makes me, um, that makes me think maybe I need to put some effort into recording my experience so I can have something to share with my future kids. Um, because that doesn't need to be perfect. Because it, it doesn't need be to be mi- perfect. It can be misspelled and then sloppy handwriting and grammatically wrong. And yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's, 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 you. it's, 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 it's me. It's and honest. It's, it's coming yeah. from, it's coming from the heart. I actually feel my heart like right here, right below my sternum. I think that's exactly where my heart is. I don't know, but something in my, in my body, um, like skip the beat just now, as I said, I want to give something to my future kids because in a moment of vulnerability and utmost honesty, I don't know if I can have kids, um, just because of my health complications with going through chemo and radiation, and then recently being diagnosed with diabetes. I don't know if I can have kids. I don't even know if I should have my own bio kids just because now there's so many health risks. And that has been something that I've always wanted to do. Mm. And, um, it sucks not knowing because like I said, it's something like, I feel like I've wanted to be a dad for so long and there's more than one way to be a dad. I recognize that. Um, and I hope I can find myself in a place with a partner who we can honor where we both are in life and find it within both of us to try. Um, Cause I have friends who unintentionally, right. You know, they weren't really trying, boom, they got a baby. I have friends that are on their seventh round of IVF. I have friends who are trying again after having a horrible miscarriage. And, um, I have friends all over the spectrum and I don't know what my experience is like. I'm hoping for a great experience, but, um, I hope I hope I can I hope I can pass something on to yeah, a descendant in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I got my baby sister. Like that's gang. <laughs> that's gang. But like <laughs> yeah. not to not to sidestep the, the 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 emotion that I'm in, which feels really uncomfortable being honest of like, man, I really I really struggle sometimes to think like is it even a good idea for me to have children because of what I've been through with my life experience? And like, first of all, it was fighting a death sentence that I didn't know I had. And then I knew I had, and then like, it's different when you know, it's something that you have versus them telling you, Hey, clock is ticking. Um, I'll never forget. I'll never forget this moment as long as I live. I was uh, at Children's Mercy after being admitted 
I think this was after I spent some some time in the ICU. Um, was not a good situation. It might have been, or it might have been a different situation. Long story short, between seventh, seventh, uh, eighth, and ninth grade, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. My health was just basically declining, um, and I'll never forget it. I don't remember what I think it was like a Thursday or something. Uh, we were in a corner room at Children's Mercy, Children's Mercy North. Their corner rooms are a little bit larger. I was in that corner room. I was uh, 14 or 15. I think I was 15 at the time. Uh, Dr. Woods, shout out to Dr. Woods. He was the head of hematology oncology um, at the time. My pops is sitting in a chair next to me reading a paper, I believe. Dr. Woods walks in doing his rounds, says, hey, kid, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You've had it rough. Um, Okay. And so he does his rounds, check my vitals, blah, blah, blah. And I, I distinctly remember him. And I might be I might be remembering this wrong, but this is how I remember it. He like put his hands behind his back. He leaned up against the wall and he said, all right, Jimmy, if we don't do something soon, this boy's going to die. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to die. But without, without hesitation or pause, my dad had either already put his paper down or that was the moment when he put his paper down and he says, okay, what do we have to do? Uh, you guys have come on this. My dad has been on this podcast and he talked about... Um, <laughs> talked about how he said he was ready to carry me on his back to his grave. Um, he's told me that many, many times. Uh, and that is, I think, how my dad has shown his love. I don't think I give him enough credit for it because I'm like, oh man, I wish you would have been more emotionally vulnerable. I wish you would have told me this. There was a time he told me I was a, there was a time he told me he thought I was going to be an author. I'm like, nigga, what? You never told me this. In my life. He was like, yeah, you, you, you wrote a poem and I was blown away. I'm like, I, if you would have told me that whenever you read that poem, I would, I would probably be an author today. So like, I, I, I get, I get, uh, I struggle with some of the ways my dad didn't affirm me, but like the other ways he affirmed me undeniable, like him without pause, just like, okay, I've heard what you said. We're still going to fight. Um, See, that was like all that I experienced him. Like I had heard you talk about your dad and it was very much, you know, he's the professor, smartest man in the room, high expectations. And he comes in and it's just this like kind of goofy older version of you. <laughs> and he's just like happy. And like, I could just tell he loved you so much. Yeah. And like, and the, the, the one that got me, the line that he said that got me during your, his podcast was like, that he was just happy that you were alive. Like that, that was your bar. He's like, I just want him to be alive and happy because you were born with a death sentence. So he's like, if you're alive, that's the gift. That's amazing. That's yeah. all I need to be proud and happy of him. And I was just like, Ugh. like, it's just, yeah. oh man. Yeah. That was a, um, yeah. And then I also wanted to go back and kind of say, like, I, I kind of, I mean, I definitely resonate with like, can I have kids? Um, because like, I don't know. And like, that's a terrible feeling and you will be 
also such a great dad. Like you are such a cool person and like, you'll just pass it on to whatever kids you have and whether you adopt, you have your own, like, and just because you can't have your own doesn't mean you're any less of a man. Yeah. Cause that's not what defines you and your manhood. And it's you and your personality and your intelligence and your emotion, emotional intelligence, like those things, that's what you'll pass on. Yeah. And if, Everything that you all, I'll say this to both of you, as Dale and someone who's actively trying, and uh, for you, Mook, who's considering if that's possible for you, uh, I have to believe that you two meant everything that you said to me. And so in those moments of discouragement, in those moments of wonder, uh, let my experience and the words that you said to me be the way you talk to yourself to realize that you can have the same impact uh in some ways if not greater impact for a child that didn't biologically come from you but that maybe in due to their own vulnerable place or period in life needed that very same presence needed that very same thing yeah and so you know I have to believe that uh, if that's in the cards for either of you um, or if biological children, for whatever reason, I hope it's not the case, but if it's not in the cards for you guys, for whatever reason, that uh, you will be able to live out that opportunity in different ways, whether it be through, you know, adoption or I don't know, maybe you find a nice girl that's got a kid already and you know, and you can pour into that kid in a way that maybe nobody else has. Um, hearing that and saying that to you all is a practice for me of realizing like, yeah, that I shouldn't diminish that because I would never think to diminish you two if that's the positions that you found yourself in yeah. to make lesser mm-hmm. of like the impact you two would have in a kid's life. Or the impact you have in a nephew's or a niece's life or your sister's life. Like at the end of the day, what I'm taking from this conversation is that children need to be shown that they matter and they need to be given opportunities to see the the realness in the adults in their life. I got closer with my dad when he did it. Taylor got closer with his dad when he was able to do it. And just to address something that you said, Mook, I'm sure maybe in ways it's already happening. If it hasn't, I'm sure that there will be a time where it will happen. But I'm just thinking about what you said about all that you've gone through health-wise and the state that I would imagine I would be in if I was your father. That moment you described where the doctor's saying, if this boy, if we don't do something now, this boy's going to die. I would imagine that for your dad, that's kind of created this perpetual state of problem solve mode figure it out i have to keep this boy alive yeah i have to figure out and be prepared and that is the beauty of fatherhood and in manhood it kind of talks about what we touched on touches on what we talked about last week like the masculine and the feminine the feminine is being able to show yourself the masculine is when shit hits the fan figure it out and we got to just solve the issue Due to the circumstances he was put in because of he's got this son here who's going through these different health challenges. 
maybe to a degree he's been kind of by nature of circumstance been stuck in this masculine mode and i'm hopeful that there are glimpses that either you can reflect back on that are happening now or that will come where he is also then able to shift and show more of himself to you so that that connection can really come to fruition and i feel like he did that on our podcast and so i know the capacity is there you know so I don't know, there was just a lot of things you said that I wanted to encourage you in the same way that you both have encouraged me today. Mm. Wow. Wow. I don't think there's a better way to have said that or uh, process any of that. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and leave it on that. Um, sometimes you sometimes you just got to leave it in silence and, and make room for what's in the room. And so um, everyone who's listening um, this has probably been the most vulnerable episode of the Men's Wellness Collective Podcast. Uh, I am definitely going to sit down on this couch and cry for a little bit before I see my next client. And I got to go to therapy at 11. Oh, boy, Charles, get ready. Pick the day. Pick the day. But gentlemen, Dalen Bernie, Jordan Lewis, I appreciate you both so much for showing up constantly on this podcast, for the people who listen, for the people in your profession, the clients that get to see you, for myself and everyone listening. Again, remember, it's impossible to be perfect. Everybody else is taken, so you might as well just be you. I've been Caleb Adegoke. This is the Men's Wellness Plus Podcast. We will see you when we see you.